Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 356 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me this week, from Red Leg Nation and RedsMinorLeagues.com, Doug Gray. How are you, Doug? I'm pretty good, Chad. How you doing? Well, I'm doing well. You know, we, uh, as our listeners will know, if we have any left, uh, we took a two-week hiatus here. Uh, a little bit less than two weeks, actually, because we're recording a day early this week. So it's not not even a full two weeks break that I get. You know, I, I, I counted it up. I think, I can't remember the number now, but I think in the last uh, year, and Doug made a joke about this uh, this year being the longest decade ever. And um, in this long, awful year, I believe that I produced, I think we had 72 podcasts. So, you know, I deserved a break, Doug. I, I agree with you. Um, I'm not even sure that your 13 days was enough. I mean, I feel like you've you've built up plenty of uh, vacation days, and I don't think you used them all. I know, right? Even when there was no baseball, we kept plugging along here. And so uh, we'll we'll now see if uh, a two-week hiatus was enough to get all of our listeners to abandon us. <laughs> Well, let's hope not. I really hope that there are some people out there still listening. I know that because I'm on here, it's not going to be as good. But, you know, we're still talking Reds baseball, and you can do worse things with your time. That's a fact. That's a fact. So we actually have uh, some kind of breaking news that just as we were getting ready to record, the Reds made a move, Doug. Uh, tell us about this fantastic move. Well, they, they added some catching depth. They picked up uh, catcher Davey Grion um, off of waivers from the Red Sox. Uh, very limited big league action. He's got uh, 13 total plate appearances over the last two years in the major leagues. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's a 24-year-old catcher who's got big-time power. Uh, he's hit 21 home runs in each of his last two minor league seasons, uh, neither of which he played more than 108 games. So, um, I mean, obviously a catcher's not going to play every day, but, you know, you hit 20-plus home runs playing in about 100 games. That's pretty good power. Um, I'm so, excited. you know, I'm they, excited. They, they, yeah, I mean, they, they, they need some catching depth. The Reds are you know, going they, for it. They're all in. Well, let's not get carried away, but oh. we'll talk about a little bit more about that later. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I like what they did here because, I mean, you know, they have Tucker Barnhart, Tyler Stevenson, and Kyle Farmer. I mean, they call him a catcher. He doesn't ever really catch, though. I mean, he's there if you absolutely positively need a catcher, but he's not really a catcher, let's be honest. So adding that third guy that's kind of a depth guy, he's got two options left, so, you know, they can they can send it to AAA um, you know, next year and just kind of have him there and waiting in case an injury pops up, which catchers get hurt. You know, that's just unfortunately a part of the job. Uh, so the odds are he, he's going to see some time uh, with the Reds. And, you know, he's got 
plenty of power. He's got a good, strong arm. You know, is a guy who's probably going to be a backup in just about any configurable scenario. You know, you can do a lot worse. I guess uh, this is the this this really is about going to be the most exciting thing from this offseason. I'm, I'm afraid, although I am kind of pleased that um, that tip. Tell me his name again, Doc. Uh, Davy Grion. How do you spell that last name? G R U L L O N. Yeah. So this gives me another opportunity to uh, mangle someone's uh, someone's name with my ridiculous accent. I can't decide whether I'm going to go with Grillon or Grudon. So I'll let the listeners decide. Oh, I mean, as long as you get the poll up, I'll vote in it. <laughs> we'll we'll get a poll up uh, as quick as possible. So okay, yeah, the Reds uh, got some depth for the uh roster basically at catcher which yeah i mean it's fine it's a it's not a bad move and it's uh you know you got to have that kind of depth and if you're gonna sign someone he's got a little bit more upside than you would generally get off waivers i guess but i you know I pre- i'm pretending to be excited because <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure you're pretending to be well <laughs> no right because i uh, and i'm going to continue to try to be uh optimistic but uh, the fact of the matter is uh the reds are a complete disaster right now uh did, did i put too fine a point on it no, I think you stated that perfect. Since the last uh, podcast, let's let's go back in time just a little bit because we haven't actually discussed this on the show yet. The Reds traded uh, Roselle Iglesias to the Angels for Noe Ramirez. Roselle Iglesias and Cash. They sent Cash to Los Angeles for right-handed pitcher Noe Ramirez. Complete and utter garbage salary dump and there's no other way to look at it but yay we're all in i don't know are we i'm all over the map today i just i'm trying to be excited about it and this is a uh this is a bob castellini i demand you cut payroll deal and i'm sick and tired of those reds now tell me about this trade doug tell me what's to like about the trade I mean, I I have no problem acquiring Noe Ramirez. I I think that you know he's he's a quality bullpen arm, but he's a middle relief arm. Um, he just traded away Rysel Iglesias, who, you know, I I know some of the listeners out there are not going to agree with this, but he's a he's probably one of the better relief pitchers in in Major League Baseball. I mean, in his entire career as a reliever, he's had one season with an ERA worse than like two point eight four. He's really good. And you just traded him away for a middle reliever, and you paid for some of his salary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's as you said, it's it's a salary dump. And and, and here's what I'm going to spend this off season railing against Reds owner Bob Castellini. So I want to prepare you all for that. I'm going to be writing about it, and I'm going to be talking about it on the podcast because the Cincinnati Reds will never be a competitive franchise until Bob Castellini and uh, little boy Phil are no longer involved with this organization and i got a big long case to make about that we don't have to get all of that right now because uh, i'm going to be talking a lot about it this right here smacks of exactly what we saw at the beginning of the other pretend rebuild that the reds did you remember when they pretended to start start a rebuild thug i I remember that and bob castellini refused to permit the front office the baseball operations department to trade any players unless they got either someone in the major leagues or someone close to the major leagues. That's why the Reds got fleeced in trades. Um, Not fleeced necessarily, but why they didn't get back as much as they could have in certain trades. Because Bob Castellini insists that they don't trade for prospects. 
when during the Bob Castellini regime have the Reds ever made a trade for straight prospects? I mean, can you remember one? Yes. Who? Well, the trade that brought Luis Castillo to the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, okay, but you're, you're trading for him. You're trading Dan Straley. When have the Reds ever traded an actual piece? Well, I'm saying in any of the big trades in the Castellini era where they were making trades to try to improve the team or during the rebuilding era, which of the trades of, the, of any other players that, that were actual assets were not players that were at least somewhat close to the major leagues? Yeah, that didn't happen, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying. This is, uh, the, if you're going to cut salary, okay, don't act like we're idiots. Tell us that. And they're not going to tell us that because Bob Castellini is a nightmare. He's just a complete nightmare, a disaster as an owner. And this smacks to me of we can't trade him for some, you know, top, 10 uh, prospect, uh, you know, in the Angels organization because that's going to look like we're giving up. And so they get some, you know, average 31-year-old middle reliever. I mean, it's not not like we're we're trading, you know, Joe Morgan here. It's not a superstar, but Iglesias is a a good pitcher, (laughs) a legitimate back-of-the-bullpen option. I don't know. I'm just... I wasn't going to get off on a rant here. I started out trying, honestly, trying to be optimistic, Doug, and you drug me down into the abyss. I'm going to let you take it from there. I mean, I I, I do that to a lot of people, Chad. So I'm sorry. Um, it's it's just what I do, I guess. But yeah, yeah I, I'm with you. It it doesn't make sense unless you're just cutting salary. And I think I think that uh, it's it's pretty apparent that that's exactly what's happening. I mean, they they also non-tendered Archie Bradley, who. Much like Rysel Iglesias, you know the guy's gotten it done for years and years and years, and uh, it, it it cracked me up the other day. And I again, I don't want to put any of this onto Nick Crawl. Thank you. You know he's he he's given a budget, and he clearly has to get to that number. And you know they traded away Rysel Iglesias, they non-tendered Archie Bradley, and then he's out there saying, "Well, we're we're looking for bullpen help." You're not going to find better bullpen help than the two guys you just got rid of in the last three weeks. Yeah, you know, bullpen arms are generally so, somewhat fungible, and that you can kind of cobble together a bullpen. But don't. Uh, I, I almost used a, a uh, an in, indelicate uh, idiom there about uh, telling me doing something, telling me that it's raining. Um, yes, yes, that one. We all know. <laughs> yeah, don't. don't just give away for not just giving away for free. They gave Archie Bradley away for free. Uh, Iglesias, they paid to, to give him away. They literally paid money to give him away. But don't do that and tell me, well, okay, now we got a hole in the bullpen. You had two guys. You just didn't want to pay them. Tell us that. It's obvious to everybody's looking, but don't. Oh, gosh. There is a, and, and, and you're right. Nick Crawl has to say the things he has to say. <laughs> you know, he has other masters within that organization, and he's been put in an impossible situation. Uh, try to figure out how to dismantle what was starting to be built while pretending that we're still going to compete. <sighs> I think we both just let out a big old sigh at the same exact time. That's that, that Cincinnati Reds baseball. Right yeah, there. really. Let me ask you this. Here's uh, Yeah, right. 2021 Reds. Fever. Catch it. Um, here's what I think. I think the Reds are going to slash payroll. Um, I don't think they're done. Um I think that what they're hoping to do is they're hoping that the rest of the central is going to be bad as well. And there's a good chance that that's going to happen. And and you, you, I use the term hope. They're hoping that the rest of the league is going to be, uh, the rest of the division is going to be bad as well. 
and they hope that we kind of get lucky this year and compete because it's a bad division. That's that. That's what I really truly think is the stra- the the optimal strategy for crawl under the circumstances he's been put under. Does that make sense? Unfortunately, it does. So the uh, the era of trying to win. Uh, is there any ways you can argue that it's not over? I think there's one way you can argue it, but I'll, I'll see if there's anything you can say. I mean, if you can get every single move you make to work out exactly as you hope, then sure. If you make the right trades and you win every single one of them, undoubtedly win them, and the money that you saved, you go out and you spend it on, let's say, a shortstop, and that shortstop performs to the absolute maximum level that you could ever expect from that player, sure. The odds of that happening, though, are so slim, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It goes back to what you always say. Hope isn't a plan. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The other response is this, and I think this is a reasonable response. I disagree with it, uh, but I think it's a, a reasonable response, and that is, Dotson, get a grip. Quit being so dramatic. It's just December. There's plenty. Nick Crawl is smart. There's plenty of time for them to take a team that was, you know, probably slightly above average last year. And with most of those players coming back, craft some people around them that they can still be competitive. That, you know, it was a, it was a bad year financially because of uh, the virus. And so, you know, just calm down and wait and see what they do. And I think that's actually, a, 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 I disagree with it because I, I, I've i seen this movie over the last 30 years so many times. Precisely, the last two off-seasons are the only two winners they've ever done anything other than what we see them doing now. So I, I think that the burden of proof is on, on the Reds or on someone who says that they trust the Reds to make the move. The burden of proof is on you, not on me, because all of the Cincinnati Reds history has been being this cheap team trying to convince us that they're that they're actually trying when, while actually never trying to win. So, so that's why I disagree with that. But on the other hand, it's not wrong that they were a decent team last year. And they do have some good pieces coming back, although they keep giving away some of them. So, you know, I mean, and Nick Kroll could do something creative uh, while, quote-unquote, reallocating resources, as he says. I don't know. It, is, that's a that's an argument, I think. All right, is that just that I'm being too dramatic? I mean, it's it's an argument, and I, again, I'm I'm with you. I I want to believe. I want I, to believe. I want, I want to believe, but I'm also, you know, well, <laughs> at least in, in in terms of this, I'm I'm pretty grounded in reality here too. Yeah, I mean, your entire lifetime, Doug, they've not tried to win except for you know, they, I think. Uh, well, you know, uh, 2010 to 2012, like you could say they they tried to win, um, and the in last off season, maybe a little bit the off season before they actually tried. Yeah, I I think that the last two off seasons they tried, it definitely did not work out in 2019. Um, yeah, you know, it worked out a little bit in 2020, but um, I mean it it ended in a way that I'm sure that no one involved wished it would have ended that way. But um, I I think that we can give them credit that they tried. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, like you said, I'm 36 years old, and um, I I was in hmm, fifth grade the last time the Reds won a playoff game or a playoff series. So yeah, 
But at least we get to watch Noe Ramirez this year. Well, maybe. There's always, there's always a chance they could trade him before before the season starts. That's right. Okay. Now, I do want to address something else because a lot of the kind of uh, struggles that some Reds fans are having online with what's going on this offseason is this constant drumbeat of trade rumors that are out there. And let me and we're going to run through some of the trade rumors and talk about it to the extent that, that we can. Let me just explain what most of this is. Anytime you see one of these trade rumors, it's John Heyman trying to get a click, or it's you know if if the Reds announce. Well, here let's look at the first one of them that I have up here. Um, Reds are open to discussions on a Luis Castillo trade. Okay, you know the Braves call the Reds and say, "Hey, what would it take to get uh, Luis Castillo?" And Nick Cross says, oh, man, a lot. Here, take this, 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 and this. Well, okay, the, the Reds were open to that discussion on a Luis Castillo trade. That does not mean they're trying to trade Luis Castillo. So I'm I'm telling you on one hand that they're not going to try to win, and they are slashing payroll, and they're you know it's a disaster in the front office because Bob Castellini has created that. But that doesn't mean they're actually actively trying to trade all their all their good players. You know, uh, there was a, a, a Eugenio Suarez discussion with the Nationals, evidently. And um, the Reds, uh, Mike Moustakas has been named Sonny Gray. So I think that's the way we need to frame any of these rumors. Right, Doug? I mean, on one hand, I'm, I'm with you. Uh-oh. On the, other, on the other hand, I mean, uh, they're trying to get rid of salary. And the only way you can get rid of salary is trading away players that have any sort of value to someone else, which unfortunately for the Reds means... Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, Eugenio Suarez, and that might be that. That really might be it. I I know, I know that um, Jeff Passan had mentioned the uh, the Mike Mustakis is kind of being tossed out there. The Reds are trying to gauge interest in him. On, and I, 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 that's a tough sell for me right now, given that all these teams are crying poor uh, and how much money Mike Mustakis is owed over the next couple of years. Um, I mean, yeah, anybody's tradable if the team's willing to eat enough money. But I think they'd probably have to eat half of his contract. And that's that's just not something you really see a team like the Red do. Right. So from from that from that standpoint, I mean I find it a little bit more believable than I normally would. So Well, and again it's gonna get me back to uh Bob Castellini here, but if let's imagine that you're Nick Kroll right now. And you got one of the you know, not, there aren't very many of these jobs available out there. And so he's the you know, the GM. He's uh, making the decisions. And he's been told, you have to slash payroll. Now, if, if I'm in his spot, I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, this stinks. We tried and, you know, we really made a push. And now I'm being told by the boss, I have to, I've got to cut payroll. So the best thing I can do here, really, to set up this franchise to do well, is let's just go ahead and lean into it and let's do a full-scale rebuild like we should have done before. And nobody wants to hear that term again, but... Uh, and I don't want to hear it again because I'm getting older every day. I don't uh, need to waste more time waiting for the Reds to actually try to win. Um, but that's that's the right thing to do if you have to cut payroll is, well, let's just tear it down and build it up right. We've bu- built up our minor league system. Uh, we'll talk about the minor league affiliates in a minute. But we built up some of our, uh, you know, uh, development programs. Let's tra- If we're going to be able to trade some of these guys, let's let's really get some top prospects. Let's do it like the Braves did it last time around. And really do it right. Uh, now, and that, you know, that's not what we, any of us want. I'm not suggesting that. But 
from Nick Cross' perspective, that's probably the would be the best case scenario. What would you think? Am I making sense there? I understand what you're saying, but who are these teams that have done it this way? And the pieces that they ultimately wound up winning with came from trades. Well, I mean, you know, you've you've got you know, the Astros were were the team, the Cubs were the team, but they won because they had high end draft picks that came to fruition. You know, six years down the five, six years down the road. Uh, if Nick Kroll's got to go through five or six more years of losing, he ain't going to be around for that. And uh, you know, that's that's not really going to be on him if that's the the plan that he takes. Because I mean, it, it does just take time. But I mean, trading for prospects. I mean, I'm the prospect guy. I feel like I should be saying the opposite of this, but usually doesn't work out. It worked out for the Braves. Who did they? Who did they get? Uh, they took every prospect that the Diamondbacks had. Plus, they also uh, drafted well, and they also uh, made some great international signings. Um, I don't know. I'm just, maybe I shouldn't have said Nick Crawl. I was saying from the Reds' perspective. Well, from the Reds' perspective. But the reason I was saying that was that Nick Crawl is never going to be allowed to do that because there's no chance that Bob Castellini will permit it. I'm just telling you now. There's no chance Bob Castellini will permit something like that. And so why should we waste time on a team that is not going to try to win? And again, I'm open to the argument that I'm being overly dramatic because I'm usually overly dramatic, but all the evidence from uh, most of our lifetimes has been the Reds not actually trying to win. And the one year when they did, they got up to, what, 17th best, highest payroll in baseball. Yahoo. Yay. I mean, it's it, it, it's very easy to spend somebody else's money, but you're right. I mean, if, if, if you're going to sell us on trying to win and been the 17th most money in baseball, which is still in the bottom half. Are you really trying to win that much? Or are you just trying to, you know, be competitive and get lucky? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, until in Castellini, if you can't afford it, okay. I hate it. Go sell more uh, vegetables or sell the team to somebody that wants to try to win. Well, and I said, you know, I've, I've actually had this conversation a few different times in the past week or so because, you know, we're not the only people having this conversation about Bob Castellini not spending money. And you know, if you can't afford to spend the money, sell the team. But you know, there are 19 people in the ownership group. Bob Castellini owns 15 percent of the Reds. Like That's yeah, I think that that's a part of the problem, too. You know, this isn't a situation where one guy is like, you know, the majority owner of the team and can just be like hey i want to do this i'm going to put in you know whatever x number of dollars to make this happen because i want it to you know the reds aren't they don't have that kind of owner or ownership group there isn't some clear billionaire owner for the reds there's a bunch of guys with a lot of money but none of them are you know multi-billionaires like a lot of the other owners in major league baseball are Thank you for that because I do kind of I tend to do this. Uh, when I say Bob Castellini, I do mean Bob Castellini needs to go in terms of being there day to day. Period. He needs to be gone. He needs to be out of the. He shouldn't have an office at Great American Ballpark. But where what I'm really using that is is, is kind of like an avatar for the, his ownership group, um, who promised so many things when they took over and have delivered on none of them. Um, uh, I'll, I'll give him one thing because I actually did read the letter again like two days ago. The only thing they've delivered on. It's, that's the is, one thing I gave him credit for in the article the, that I wrote. The the the, the whole. Uh, you know, doing better in, in the yes. public with, with all of their, you know, community events and help and all, all of that stuff. They, they've, done a, they've done a wonderful job there. 
all of the stuff related to baseball. Nope. No, and and they haven't really can't really tell us that they really have uh, tried. I mean, we're talking since two thousand six. It's not like you know, there are times when they pretended like they were trying, or times they were in they really were, did they weren't all in, but when they were in. Um, and I just there's no way to spin anything that's happened here. I don't see any way to spin it. And I know some people do, and you know I'm happy to discuss it because it's just baseball. But we spent yeah, a lot of time a, with this team. There's a reason they call it spinning, Chad. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, the Reds did get Scott Heineman. Yes, yes, they did. <laughs> it's happening. Oh, World Series, here we come. What did he hit? Uh, 154 last year. I don't want to talk about it. And who they trade for him? I don't even. I don't even remember. That's that's how important that move was. <laughs> oh my goodness! Let's talk uh, minor league affiliates quickly, and then we got some viewer mail questions we want to get to. All right. Well, if you've listened to me talk about minor league baseball at all in the last year and a half or so, um, you've you've heard about the fact that major league baseball is trying to and now has accomplished in cutting forty two teams out of minor league baseball. Um, that leaves the Reds with, well, I mean, technically we don't even know who their four affiliates will be, or I guess five if we're counting the Arizona League Reds, which they play out of the complex at spring training. Every team has one of those. Some teams have two of those. Um, but the, the rookie league teams no longer are going to exist. Um, the Billings Mustangs and Greenville Reds have been eliminated from the Reds' farm system. Rest in um, peace, Appalachian League. Uh, they're, they're not being replaced. Um, now, Major League Baseball sent out, quote-unquote, invitations to minor league affiliates to allow them to join um, what is minor league baseball. Uh, the four teams that the Reds invited are the same four teams that they've had in the past couple of years. The Louisville Bats at AAA, uh, the Chattanooga Lookouts at AA. Now, here's where things get interesting. The Florida State League, where the Daytona Tortugas play, and the Midwest League, where the Dayton Dragons play, have switched. So now, assuming that the invites are accepted, the Dayton Dragons will be the advanced A team, and the Daytona Tortugas will be the low A team. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to play out. I still need to kind of wait and see um, how it's going to affect everything, how teams are going to. I don't know. It is what it is. It's not surprising, but it's disappointing. Yeah, uh, I'm going to just uh, bite my tongue on this one because I'll go on for the next hour and a half. Well, maybe uh, I'll, just, I'll, I'll just say I agree with Chad. <laughs> there you go. Just to say that with everything, and we'll get out of here quickly. Um, I'll say this, uh, you know, a requiem for the Appalachian League because I've spent a lot of nights watching games at uh, Appalachian League parks, uh, Bristol, Tennessee, uh, Greenville, obviously, with the Reds. Um, there used to be a team in Princeton, West Virginia, that was a Red Rick League affiliate. I come watch them when they played uh, in Kingsport, Tennessee, and Johnson City, Tennessee, which are uh, close to where I grew up. And so, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a fun league. It was the quality of baseball was never great. It was a bunch of kids in their first uh, pro experience generally, but uh, it was just it was it was a it was a fun thing to do. And you know, they're going to turn it into a wood bat summer league, and it's but it's just it's not going to be the same. So anyway, back to the Reds. Before we, I did have a couple things I wanted to mention before we got into viewer mail. Did you see where John Heyman, that guy, he just he does this stuff just to uh, so that we'll say his name. Uh, he said that uh, Trevor Bauer is quote too expensive for the Reds and will be pitching elsewhere next year. I did see that. 
Um, now, again, don't ever take anything Heyman says with anything more than uh, several grains of salt. But um, I don't know. Uh, Trevor Bauer, I think, disputed that. He did. Uh, basically, he said, oh, I didn't realize. Did did my agent tell you that? Because that's where all my free agency information is going through. And, you know, I a lot of people really picked up on that and basically were like, oh, well, see, John Heyman's making stuff up. He's lying. But, you know, who do, who do you think that his agent's talking to? She's not having the conversation with herself. She's not the only source that could possibly have this information. Maybe, and just hear me out, she told the Reds, hey, we want X amount of dollars for X amount of years, and they said, okay, we'll think about it. And then the Reds had their discussions, and they said, you know, that's too much for us. It's too expensive. But they didn't tell her that. But somebody heard about it and told John Heyman that. Yeah. I mean, I... That, that's, that's a possibility. Now, it also is very possible that John Heyman used a common sense like the rest of us and knows that Trevor Bauer is going to be too much or going to cost too much for the Reds to sign. We may not know the answer to it, but if we find out that they didn't even make an offer to Trevor Bauer. Well, they, they made an offer, Chad. Oh, well, the qualifying offer, offer right, yeah. but One they year, year 18.9 million, take it or leave it, buddy. He left, he left it, by yeah. the way. Right, right. And, and if that's what it was, if, if after that they didn't make any other offers, again, we may never know this, but um, boy, that's just going to be more uh, fuel for what I've been uh, whining about uh, for, you know, 30 years now. Too expensive for the res. But now the flip side is to, you know, try to maybe uh, argue on the other side. There have been reports that the Reds have reached out to D.D. Gregorius, shortstop, uh, who, you know, nice-looking player. I wanted the Reds to try to get him last offseason, and, and he went to the Phillies. Um, former Red, obviously. So, uh, and and I, and I didn't hear it, but evidently uh, D.D. came on uh, WLW this week and uh, talked with Lance McAllister, and uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe there's something there. Does that does that rumor or that news does that change our thought that the Reds are uh, not trying to compete? I mean, yes and no. I mean, if, if you're going to try and say that the Reds aren't trying to compete, it doesn't make any sense to really go out and sign a guy like Didi Gregorius because he's, if he's not the top shortstop on the market, he's one of two or three. Uh, he's not going to sign for $3 million. So if you're really, truly not trying, that's not the kind of play you're going to go get. Uh, at the same time, I listened to the interview that he had with Lance McAllister, and basically it was, I think they've contacted my agent. I'm willing to listen to anything they have to offer. <laughs> so take that for what it's worth. It didn't exactly sound like they were having real conversations. Well, they've got to find a shortstop somewhere, because <laughs> they don't have one. Right. Kyle Farmer came back on a, a split minor league, major league deal. So Doug, I've I'm warned sorry. you about that. <laughs> I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I could see them maybe. I don't know. I, I actually can't see them signing Gregorius. And, and if they do, I, I think that uh, I'm being blinded to by uh, my my disdain for Castellini here. I could see them though signing him and then cutting elsewhere, keep continuing to to slash as much as they can elsewhere, and then signing him and saying, "Look, we're trying," because that's kind of the halfway um, uh, halfway in way of doing things that Castellini has become known for. Uh, his his administration basically so i don't know maybe but i i mean maybe there's not a huge free agent market for shortstops out there and gregorius is not going to be able to get much 
But if anybody's going to offer me anything, I'm sure I don't. I just don't see the Reds laying out a lot of money for anyone this offseason on the free agent market. I just don't see it. I mean, they may trade for somebody. I just I don't see it. So. I, I I mean, I'm not sure anybody. I mean, I, I, the numbers may have been updated in the last you know 48 hours, but I'd seen something the other day that all of Major League Baseball teams combined had only spent just over 200 million dollars this year so far, and usually it's over a billion dollars at this point. Like nobody's spending any money. On anybody yeah yeah so who knows who knows we'll see um you know what though i mean let me just tell you something even in dark days to be a reds fan and these are not the darkest days right now i mean this team was just snuck into the playoffs uh such as it were last year uh 18 playoff but uh they've been much darker days i'm always feel comforted to know that we have some goofy viewer mail questions to answer to kind of lighten the mood isn't it good to have that? Just know you have that in your back pocket. Look, here at Red Lake Nation Radio, we love our viewers. That we is a them. fact. So let's uh, let's answer a few of these viewer mail questions. These questions come from our friends at patreon.com, patreon.com slash redlegradio, where you two can support the podcast, join the family. First question comes from Charles Zollers. Charles asks, first off, I'd like to ask, how do you feel that UCF basketball is better than Virginia this year? That's his first question. Let me answer that one before we go to the next question. Uh, UCF, is that like, like a community college? What is that? Is that a- uh, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that's a, a clown, the Clown College of Florida. <laughs> oh, yeah, might, maybe, because I looked at the latest AP poll, and I did see Virginia in there. I couldn't find UCF. Central. Oh, there they are. Under Others receiving votes. They had six votes. Oh, how sweet. It's so cute they think they they can play basketball. Uh, this um, My prediction now for the podcast is this year's Virginia team is going to, if they get to end up playing a season, and who knows at this point, they will end up being the best Virginia team of my lifetime. That's saying something, Chad, because if I recall correctly, they've been the best team in college basketball at least once in your lifetime. Oh, they have been for the last two years. Nobody's knocked them off their perch yet. Two-time defending national champs, but this team can score. So anyway, that's a nobody's here to listen to my hot takes about Virginia basketball. Charles, other question um, is about the Reds. What's the bigger Reds? What if Scott Rowland not making the infamous error, or Joey Votto scoring in Game One of the 2020 Wild Card Game instead of being held up? What's the bigger what if? The error. I think that team was better. They were be- they were better equipped. Yeah, that, top to bottom, that was a better team. That's my answer. You know, the Reds can get by that series. They got a legit shot at winning the World Series. This year's team, you know, maybe they just, but, you know, were they, they all? They, this year's team just never looked like it. Like, yeah. I, and it's so weird because the, straight talent-wise, I think that they had it. Yeah. They just never looked like it. Whereas that, that 2012 team was just, yeah. Yeah, they, they were great. It. Uh, that, that that this year's team just didn't look like they had it all year long. Uh, that's that's true, and I think that that's you know uh, if if we're going to look for reasons to be optimistic though about next year is that a lot of these guys that are coming back are good baseball players. The Reds do still have some talent here, and so they're not going to in one off season go return to being the Pirates. You know, uh, they they're probably going to be as you know seventy eight as currently constructed a seventy eight win team that might be able to get the eighty one wins something like that maybe but that's not at least they're not awful so that's the difference I think two thousand twelve by far a bigger what if that team looked like they were set up to win a series 
Ryan Rayburn, longtime viewer, first time mail enter. Everyone always talks about the Reds winning history. Other than a great run in the 1970s and some one-off seasons, shouldn't we just call the Reds what they are? A poverty franchise that just makes everyone miserable. Oh, thanks. Your friend from Nashville and Twitter, Ryan Rayburn. Uh, I, I started to ban Ryan from asking any questions on uh, <laughs> on here. And you know why, right, Doug? No, no, I do not. <laughs> because uh, Ryan is the one who got me in trouble with Hunter Green on Twitter. Oh, well... Yeah, right. I will I will admonish him. <laughs> um a poverty franchise that just makes everyone miserable. Uh, I mean Can I say can I say yes and no to this question? <laughs> yeah, cuz I think that's what I'm going to do as well. I mean, poverty really has only applied for the last 25 years or so when free agency's kind of changed the way the entire game is acted. Um, you know, in in the 90s, until you know, the mid-90s, the Reds weren't exactly a bottom-of-the-barrel uh, salary team. And that that stretches back to the rest of the history of the game, too, because, well, you know, things things really changed once free agency got going. But that didn't even start until, what, the early 70s? Yeah. Mid-70s? I mean, and, and so, you know, yeah, it's tough to say, all oh, the Reds were too cheap, um, you know, for their entire history. They've been around for a really long time, and realistically that from a from a monetary standpoint there's only been the haves and haves nots over the last 25 years or so well, i'm not sure i agree with that necessarily because you know uh how do the yankees become the yankees uh you know they had more to spend uh over the years but uh, but i'm gonna take a different tack with this question which is that you know actually uh the reds it wasn't just the big red machine i guess let me say that for a long time up until about the point when Doug could start remembering baseball, but up until the mid-90s, the Reds were only great in the 70s, but no other team has a stretch like like that, basically. And they were fairly competitive regularly. You know, I really started paying attention to them in 83, and they were bad in 83, but um, 80, let's see, 85, 86, 87, 88, they finished second place in the division, so, I mean, they're in it. Each of those years, won the series in '90. You know, had another great team in '95, and they were competitive between there, off and on. So, um, I think it's only been since basically '95 that the Reds have uh, they started crying poverty. About that time, uh, Carl Lindner came in and John Allen, and just try to convince us that the Reds could never have nice things because we're just too poor. We're in Cincinnati, uh, rather than trying to win. And then you get Castellini, who uh, is doing the same song and dance, although not quite to the depths that. Uh, that Carl Linder and John Allen went to. Um, no, I think it's but you know it's a pretty good history, frankly, until the last a quarter of a century, which is a long time. And that doesn't. And most Reds fans have only you know the last twenty five years are all they remember about baseball. And so, uh, no, I, I don't think I think the Reds do have a good history, uh, frankly, and, and I, that's not one that's uh, been about poverty until the last uh, twenty five years. Tell me why I'm wrong. I can't. Excellent. You're learning. You're really learning. It took you 356 <laughs> episodes, but you're learning. Joey Gaditza asks, Happy holidays, guys, whatever that may look like this year. Anywho, if the Reds add a shortstop but do nothing else, are you content? I think I am amidst all the trade rumors. What do you think about that, Doug? If the Reds add a shortstop but do nothing else, are you content? I will be content if doing nothing else means making no trades of current major league players 
No more slashing if they, the payroll. If, if, if they don't trade Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, Eugenio Suarez, whoever, and they go out and get a legitimate shortstop, I, I'm not going to be upset. I, I'll think that, hey, maybe you could have done a little bit more because at this point, you know, I still think that trading Rysel Glacius and letting go of Archie Bradley was not exactly uh, good for trying to win baseball games. Uh, but I'm even even with those losses, I'm not looking at the Reds bullpen as a a real issue. I think yeah, we're still could, talking about relievers it, here, even though we right, like those I, guys. I think that they could do better. They could add some pieces to help improve it. But I'm looking at the bullpen right now, and I'm not thinking to myself, oh my gosh, this is going to be the reincarnation of the 2020 Phillies bullpen, um, who had an ERA nearly of eight this year, if you guys weren't paying attention. Um, so, I mean, I, I'd be okay with that. I think that they would still could improve, but I wouldn't be upset about it. Ah, oh, am I content? First of all, I think we have to clarify. The question was, Joey's question was if the Reds add a shortstop. I think uh, you did clarify. You said a legit shortstop. And, yeah, it would depend on who that name is. You know, if it's uh, if it's Anderton Simmons, frankly, no, I'm not content with that. I don't think he, I don't think he fits this uh, organization. Um, content? No, I don't think I'm content. I think I am, uh, I'm resigned to the Reds just being the same Reds we've always known. So content, I'm probably not going to be content until I see if they're actually trying to win. But if they add a legitimate shortstop and don't, you know, cut any more elsewhere, at least I'll have a little bit of reason for optimism. I'll think, well, this is a team... You know, we got to cobble together a bullpen, and we got to figure out how we're going to f- fill out the rotation because um, we let two of our starters go. But uh, there's still some talent, you know. I mean, there's it, 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 still be a team worth uh, watching, I guess. All right, let's go to the next one, Jerry. I'm going to butcher your name here. I'm sorry, I don't know that I've said this name in a while. Jerry Seduth. Hey, S-U-D-D-U-T-H. How would you pronounce that, Doug? I wouldn't. Yeah. So, Jerry, uh, send me a message. Let me know how badly I mangled it, and I apologize. I'm not doing it on purpose. I'm trying to put an optimistic spin on the news we're seeing regarding the apparent shopping of the Reds' most valuable assets. Should we think of these rumors as the Reds trading these guys at their peak value for a peak return? Or am I putting a veneer on a massive salary dump? Um, You can look at it that way. If the Reds are actively trying to sell some of these guys, I don't think you're. Uh, I'm having a hard time making that case. You know, I don't. I think a team that's looking to uh, to win doesn't trade guys like uh, Luis Castillo or Sonny Gray. Um, these are guys that have room for growing still and are on cheap contracts. Those are the types of guys you want to keep. Suarez, um, maybe, maybe, but you know, who you get? Who you getting back for him? Uh, at some point, you have to have good players on the major league roster too, you know. And unless you're going to build, the, uh, tear the whole thing down, you still have to have players to play those positions. And if you got a pretty good guy, I don't know. I'm kind of dancing all around it, but I just I don't know how you can see. Uh, I don't. Th- Let me say this first: they've not traded any of these guys yet. So smart guy once said, "If you have ten problems rolling down the down the road at you, just wait." Nine of them will roll into the ditch. You don't have to worry about them. So we, we don't shouldn't get too upset about the rest trading guys when they haven't actually traded, well, except for one guy. Um, but anyway, is that an optimistic way of looking at it, Doug? Do you buy that? Here's where I stand. 
if they were just trying to trade, if we were only hearing one of these guys' names out there, then I could buy the, the idea that they're trying to sell at the, at the peak for a player. The fact that we're hearing five names, that just screams salary dump. They're trying, they're trying to just get rid of somebody because they can't make budget. It, 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 it's that simple for me. Yep. Yeah. yeah anyway. Uh, but I like the idea of trying to put an optimistic spin on the news, and I've ranted a little bit here today, but I'm going to continue to try to uh, be more optimistic, as I usually try to do um, in future podcasts this all because it's just baseball, and, and there are still a lot of guys on this team that I like. Just frustrated with the guy at the top that's screwing with my team. Chuck Nichols, happy holidays. You guys are the gift that keeps on giving all year round, Clark. Great reference. Question, why in the world would the Reds sign another outfielder? And he called him Scott Heineken, which I really wish that was his name. Scott Heineken, I love that. Um, I wonder what the strategy of that move was. Also, because the outfield's so crowded, what are your thoughts on moving Nick Senzel to shortstop if the Reds can't sign someone? Glad you guys are back. Thank you, Chuck. Um, I think signing another outfielder is just organizational depth. I don't know if there's reason to read too much more into it. Do you agree with that, Doug? Yeah, somebody's got to play the outfield in AAA. Yeah, yeah. If, I mean, if, if, if there's a situation like, I mean, think about, was it two years ago, the Reds had four catchers on the injured list all at the same time. Yeah. Every so often, weird things like that happen, and you really do need to go to your eighth guy on the depth chart. You know, and, and you need to be prepared. Yeah, and Louisville has to have players too. And they're not all going to be superstar, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, let me tell you, when your pitchers only have two outfielders, <laughs> that's not going to go very well for them. Even, you know, how, no matter how good they are in AAA, uh, when you have two of them, that's a problem. Chuck's other question, because the outfield's so crowded, what are your thoughts on moving Nick Senzel to shortstop if the Reds can't sign someone? My thoughts are, listen, I'm, I'm always open to, put, to get Nick Senzel somewhere where he can be in the lineup regularly. I just, my constant response to this question is just always going to be, I think if the Reds thought Nick Senzel, and they know more than I do about this this question, if they thought Nick Senzel could play shortstop, I think Nick Senzel would be the shortstop right now. I think, I think he would have been moved there and we wouldn't be talking about it. I think he could handle second base. I think he could handle third base. I don't, there's no question in my mind he could handle either of those. Um, I just, I'm not sure he can quite handle because playing shortstop at the big league level is incredibly hard, you know. So, um, I'd be, if, if the Reds felt like he could do it, I'd be all for it anyway to get him in the lineup. But that's, uh, that's sort of the way I look at it. Doug? They, they did try it. Remember a couple, couple spring trainings ago, he came into spring training trying to play shortstop. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They saw he, he he never played shortstop. There's a reason for that. They don't think he can play shortstop, so it's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, we I, I love the idea, you know, um, but I think all the available evidence says that the Reds wanted to try it and it wasn't working. So, Rich Thompson asks, "Dear Chad and Doug, the internet is a buzz that the Reds are pretty open to deal some of their best talent." Needless to say, I feel this is an effort to cut payroll. The likes of Gray, Castillo, Suarez, or, or Moustakas are mentioned. So if the Reds are indeed willing to go down this path, which teams should the Reds target as trade partners to restock or fortify the farm system? That kind of goes uh, along with what we've been saying this whole episode, doesn't it, Doug? I mean, it does, but here's the problem with, with your question, Rich, and it's not even your fault. Uh, there's only like it, it, it really does feel like only two or three teams are actually willing to take on any salary. And if those teams don't have the prospects that you want, there's nowhere to go in terms of using those teams to, quote-unquote, rebuild or stock up. Um, and if 
the Reds are in true salary dump mode, they're just going to take what they can get because somebody is willing to take on the contract of whichever one of the players they end up moving. Which, again, as Chad just mentioned a couple minutes ago, none of these trades have actually happened yet. But in your scenario where they are moving salary, um, you know, I, I think that it might come down to a situation where it's more about who is willing to just eat that contract rather than finding a team to go to and say, hey, uh, we want you know prospects X, Y, and Z. Yeah, yeah, I think that uh, yeah, Rich's uh, question does bring up a a good point, which is uh, you know when you're looking for trade partners, it, nobody's being too active out there. So I don't know, um, but I just think Rich, I really think it comes back to it. the Reds will never restock slash fortify the farm system while Bob Castellani is here. So there's no reason even talking about it. He's never permitted it. He's not going to permit it now. Um, but good question. Thank you so much. Risto Neely has one for us. Welcome back. Happy holidays to you, Chad and Doug. I ain't worrying about the rumors, so I'll go elsewhere with this. That's Risto being Risto there. I love it. I was wondering, what is each of your baseball pedigrees? Uh-oh, going to embarrass me here. Did you play ball as a kid in school, in college, minor league, any other leagues? Just being nosy here as usual, but I love hearing the baseball stories of others. And you have a unique podcast and followers. Doug, you want to tackle that one? Played through high school, and then now a lot of us played through high school. Here's Here is my favorite thing, though. Uh, it wasn't no like official league or anything, and I know that a few people that actually listen to the podcast played in what I'm about to talk about. But probably for like I believe it was three or four years in my early 20s, a group of us every Tuesday would get together at a local school and we'd just play. We'd have a pickup baseball game. There were sometimes you know 15 or 16 of us. Sometimes there were 20 of us, uh, and we would just every every Tuesday we'd show up as long as the weather was nice. And we'd just draft teams that day, and we'd play seven, eight innings of baseball. And it was honestly the most fun I had playing baseball in my entire life. Uh, the, the, yeah, no uh, no uniforms, no? No, just, just, a fun. Bunch of, yeah. just a bunch of friends out there having a good time yeah. most of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had some great uh, legendary wiffle ball games uh, growing up in the neighborhood, a uh, group of kids. But my actual baseball you know, I was in little league and, and uh all the way up to high school and um played until and was obsessed with the game absolutely obsessed with it uh, as shouldn't surprise any of you and it was about the uh my sophomore year in high school i've told this story before but around my sophomore year in high school i had a uh a really productive conversation with my baseball coach legendary baseball coach at our high school he's won more state championships than any baseball coach in virginia state history um and he uh, he was kind of talking about the way out my stance where I was, and he says I really needed to probably I was standing a little bit too close to the baseball field, I needed to go over to the tennis courts. And he made a really compelling case that I should join the tennis team, and uh, so I joined the tennis team <laughs> after that. Um, that if that tells you anything about my uh, talent, so uh, it tells me that you were very talented in tennis. Well, I did have success, quite a bit of success in in tennis actually, but. Uh, you know, I was ignoring that sport because I wanted to play baseball. I like baseball. But uh, my my favorite story is, you know, going back to good old high school glory days stories, when it, somebody threw a speedball by me. But anyway, uh, I was a senior in high school. I may have told this story as well, but I love it, so I'm going to tell it again. Um, and my brother was a sophomore at the time. And now my brother's a really good baseball player. And so he... Uh, he uh, scored the winning run in, in one of the first games of the year. And it was a big deal. It was a big write-up in the newspaper about it. 
uh, the local paper, which is a big thing to kids back then. You know, when you get your name in a paper. It's, I don't know what, what they look at now, but what's a what's a newspaper? Exactly, that's how old I am. But anyway, this was uh, this was right after basketball season, and uh, you know, I'd played on the basketball team and had a pretty successful uh, senior season there. And the same guy that wrote about the uh, the local guy that wrote about the basketball was writing about baseball as well. So he writes a, uh, the the write up for the baseball game the next day, and has a picture of, of me and talks about how I scored the winning run, and it was. It was my brother, and he was so upset about that. I felt so bad for him, but I kind of liked it because I was over there just merrily playing tennis. <laughs> still, I got credit. There's, there's a newspaper article somewhere that someone can find in the archives that says I scored the winning run that year. So anyway, uh, there's my baseball uh, talent. Being mistaken for my brother is the most successful I ever was in baseball. <laughs> so Anyway, uh, thanks for the question, Risto. Uh, one final, not even a question, but uh, I appreciate this. The final uh, viewer mail entry this week comes from our buddy Nathan Connor. And Nathan just says, Merry Steve Christmas. <laughs> Steve Christmas, obviously the pinch hitter catcher first baseman for those talented 83 and 84 Cincinnati Reds. 24 games, 39 plate appearances. Merry Steve Christmas to us all. Doug, any final thoughts this week? Happy holidays to everybody. Yeah, happy holidays. And, and, and I apologize if I, if I harshed your mellow, as the kids said about 12 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm up on my references. Uh, because, listen, it's baseball, and this organization is very frustrating if you take them too seriously. And we all take them too seriously way too often. And uh, uh, we're going to try to figure out ways to have more happy time with this because it's supposed to be fun. And I know that's why yeah, you all listen because we generally try to have fun with it. So uh, stick with us. We're going to have a good time this off season. I think Doug, appreciate you talking to us, buddy. Oh, I, I always enjoy coming on. Yeah. Always a good time for Doug Gray and Steve Christmas. This is Chad Dotson saying so long everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.